98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Cardinals GM Steve Kime. Kime time. On the Burns and Gambo Show. Presented by Santan Ford and the Arizona Cardinals. You're the boss at Santan Ford. Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock. It means one thing here on the flagship home of the Arizona Cardinals, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And that is our weekly conversation with the Cardinals general manager, Steve Keim, who joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, fellas. How are you? Good. Did you, did you get to wish Wolf Lee a happy 60th birthday today? I did, man. He is uh, he's one of my all-time favorites, and I would imagine the uh, same for you guys. Absolutely. He's a longtime friend. Known him forever. Absolutely forever. Happy birthday to Wolf. Uh, let's uh, l- let's start with the roster moves. No James Conner, no D-Will, Rodney Hudson game time decision. Tell me uh, just you know, how concerned are you with your running back room going into this game? Well, you know, I mean, anytime you're missing a, a guy like James Conner or even um, Williams, I mean, there's, there's some concern. But, I mean, at the same time, uh, I've really seen a lot of growth out of Eno Benjamin uh, and our rookie. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous skill set, looks really good in camp. So his opportunity, to me, that's what it's all about, is getting an opportunity in the National Football League and making the best of it. But, you know, Eno is a guy that when you watch him, it's, it's, it's interesting because he's got such great natural run skills and he's continued to get better in the little things the, the pass protection the screen game all of the things that come with being a running back at a, and playing at a high level and again I'm really excited about uh, Eno and where he's uh, where he's gone and Keontae the USC kid I'm sure will get an opportunity you sign two players to the practice squad and Tyson Williams and Corey Clement give me your thoughts on whether you'll have to activate one of those two guys off the practice squad yeah, I would think we would have to activate one of them and, and most likely Clement. Um, but again, um, uh, I really do think that, that we have enough talent in that backfield to, uh, to to certainly do some good things. And again, all of them are, are really, really good pass catchers, um, good in protection. Again, Eno brings that you know natural run skill that you look for. And again, I think that um, you know we've played well up to, in Seattle the last several years, so we'll continue to see that uh, trend going forward. In the moment, it seemed a little unorthodox to keep five running backs on the roster when you guys broke camp and got ready for the regular season. What, what was it specifically about Keontae Ingram that mandated he be on your roster when you break camp, Steve? Well, you know, philosophically, I think it's just the number one thing. That it, number one, he's a draft pick. Number two, he's a talented player. And to me, you never put those guys on the wire and, and, and chance the fact that they may go somewhere else. So, uh, to me, we wanted to protect him and make sure that he had an opportunity. And I always talk about this. Your needs in, in April and May are never the same as they are in October and November. And uh, that's certainly an example right there. The running back room, which I felt very, very strong about, um, has has taken some blows. And uh, now we'll have some the next man up mentality, sort of like the receiver room. We'll get into the slow start in a second. You guys, you know, the Eagles were considered the best team in the league. You gave them a run for your money. You had a shot. To, to send the game into overtime. You had replaced uh, Prater with Matt Amendola. He misses a 43-yard kick. Give me your, your thought process on, on you know bringing him onto the roster and then keeping him this week where a lot of people thought you might have switched out and went with another kicker. Well, I mean, I think that number one, um, you know, opportunities are very limited right now with, with kickers. And uh, we aren't sure really where Matt is in terms of health. Uh, I thought maybe he would have a chance to come back this week. 
Uh, hopefully next week uh, we can pencil that in. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, listen, he's got to make that kick. That's what professional kickers do. But, um, unfortunately, that didn't happen. And, you know, we just got to make sure that we try to do the best moving forward. And it's it's a tough situation. I mean, it's not one guy collectively. I mean, we all uh, know that, obviously, the offense starting slow, again, you know, adds to the uh, to the problems. And, you know, you can't put it on one person, even though that as a professional, again, we all know that uh, someone should make that kick. Talk about sticking with him, though, Steve. Like, you, you had an opportunity if you wanted to, you know, to take him off the roster and add another kicker. You add a bunch of kickers, try out. Why did you stick with Matt Amendola? Well, we had four kickers in the previous week, and um, he was the most consistent by far, uh, you know, as far as accuracy and, and get off and those sort of things. So, um, you know, it's easy to just say, hey, let's just change out to change out. But now all of a sudden you have a guy step in and who knows, potentially you could be missing extra points and, and those sort of things. And there's something to be said for, you know, in the NFL for timing and those sort of things with the snapper, the, the, the whole placeholder, those those things, et cetera. So uh, I just think it was in our best interest at this point to stay with the same guy. Steve Keim, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show, there was a very passionate uh, speech after the game from Justin Pugh, a very passionate offensive lineman, something that I'm sure you have in common with him from your playing days. What did you think about Justin standing up for him after the game? Well, I admire Justin. I mean, he's a great guy. Um, he and I have a lot in common, both Pennsylvania guys. And, uh, I know that kills you, Gambo, when you're in New York. Uh, <laughs> accent, but, but, uh, but no, I mean, Pennsylvania is uh, you know, a place where we take a lot of pride in, in, in the game of football and our background. And we played for the same coach, our strength coach at my minor NC State was here at Syracuse. So, again, we have a, have a great relationship, and I think the world of him. I mean, the guy is a, not only a very good player. Again, I think I said last week he's under rated in my opinion uh, but also I love the fact that he's able to stick up and say what he believes in and, and, and that's what makes guys special the slide, the spike to end that game in real time as you were processing it as a football guy, how were you processing how the events that led up to the field goal unfolded Steve? Well, I think we all thought he got the first down. He didn't. Um, it's a bang-bang play. Uh, I think it's one of those learning lessons that you look back and it's a, it's a you know, obviously a painful learning lesson because of the uh, repercussions. But at the same time, um, it's something that we can grow with a young quarterback and, and head coach and, and make sure that that doesn't happen again. Do you want to see Kyler? We're, we're, we're all okay with Kyler being protective and sliding and getting out of bounds, you know, for the majority of the game. But there are times, you know, we're watching that game like, man, I want Kyler to try to get that extra yard or two if, even if he takes a hit. What's the organization stance on Kyler on those plays? Do you want to see him be a little bit more aggressive or, or are you guys okay with him sliding and getting down? Uh, to me, it's one of those things at that position. I think it's it's instincts. Um, I know you have to have an awareness of, of, of awareness of where the first down marks are and, and all those sort of things, uh, where the defensive players are. Again, this game has played so fast. It's easy for us to all say, oh, you should have went two more yards. You should have got down quicker. But the, the rate of speed that these guys play at and the physicality that they play at, it's not that easy. Um, but I would say this, that, you know, again, it's, it's a young player that continues to learn and learn. And, you know, instinctively, he's got to feel those sticks. And next time, maybe it'll be um, where he gets a couple more yards or, or you know, today's day and age. I mean, the, the way they're calling some of these games, I mean, 
you, you never know what's going to happen with with the the contact and the and the physicality that's going to happen. You easily could have won that game against the Eagles. They were undefeated, considered the best team in the league. Your defense was outstanding, but you did fall into a fourteen nothing hole. It continues to be a problem with the slow starts and getting behind. We would love to see this team play with a lead. I think you guys would be very dominant if you played with a lead. Did you identify anything this week that could fix the issues with these first quarter woes? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you something. I mean, it really, um, it's disappointing. Uh, the fact that we are able to make adjustments in game and fix things both defensively and offensively has been uh, a good sign just because you know your coaches are doing a good job and there's communication. But at the same time, you know, you just kind of wonder why it's such a slow start. Again, compared to last year, which was a whole different situation uh, with a lot of similar players. So just got to get our finger on the pulse and make sure that we fix this moving forward and hopefully that'll start this Sunday in Seattle. Is it too easy to assume that when you get D-Hop back, it's going to fix it all? Or is getting D-Hop back going to fix it all? Well, as much as we paid him, it better fix it <laughs> That was a joke to hop. I like to needle him a little bit because uh, when you're negotiating with a player, it can be uh, interesting, to say the least. And me and Hop had some spirited conversations, which you can imagine. I'm sure. But I do think the world of him, I think he's going to be a, uh, you know, a, a great um, addition and obviously going to put some energy and uh, add some excitement to this offense. Steve, it took a little bit of time, but Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons are playing fantastic. Isaiah had a game I 13 tackles. His run defense was great. His tackling was great. He was actually really good in coverage. He played 67 out of 73 of the defensive snaps and uh, graded out. And I'm not a big grade guy, but he did grade out as your highest uh, graded player. Give me your thoughts on his development through the first five games. Really good. That's all you can ask of young players is to continue to develop, and that's through hard work and preparation. And both those guys have shown that. Uh, you know, I, I know there are a lot of questions about Zayvon last year. Was a rookie, not being an immediate contributor, and uh, to his credit, he has stepped up and done all the right things this off season. And has worked his ass off, and um, it's showing up on the field. And 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 then with uh, Isaiah, you know, we all know that he's got tremendous talent, and things just needed to come together. He needed to continue to prepare like a pro, and he's done that, and he's played exceptionally. Football. We were all excited about a pass play down the field to Rondale Moore because it does seem like he makes he gets so many options behind the line of scrimmage. Do you see him this 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 team utilizing him more in the downfield passing game as we go forward? I do. I do. And I think that uh, not only that, uh, but the addition of, of DeAndre Hopkins, when you start talking about teams bracketing and double covering players, uh, that opens up a lot of different things. And whether that's Zach Ertz or it's Rondale Moore or Hollywood Brown, who I think was an exceptional addition, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's pick your poison. And Kyler's going to have a lot of options moving forward. Steve, we appreciate the time. As always, safe travels. We'll talk to you next Friday. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank you, and uh, happy birthday to Wolf. Don't eat too much cake. 60 uh, years old. Age, it, gets, it gets tough, man. As you get older, man, it's hard. It's hard. You're right. It gets hard. <laughs> yeah. But your birthday. Let it go, Wolf. It's all right. Have some cake. You're good. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we love you, Wolf, man. Happy birthday, brother. Thanks, Take Steve. We appreciate it. As Steve Geim joining us here on the Arizona Sports Line, general manager of the Cardinals. When we come back here on this Friday edition, who's going to take the West in the NBA this year? Is it going to be the Suns? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports App.
Back here on this Friday here on Burns and Gambo. Again, our thanks to Steve Kime for joining us here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station. Phoenix Suns open up their season on Wednesday against the Dallas Mavericks. Just a quick thumbnail Cliff Notes recap. We'll get into more of the details later in the show. But Gambo, open the show with some good information about the Suns. No, they're not interested in Kemba Walker. No, I don't expect them to have interest in him. Yes, they're still working on Cam Johnson. The deadline is on Monday to yes. extend him. Still, still talking right now. The talks continue. There's a, they are negotiating to try to get a deal done. So the talks are still ongoing. Offers in hand for Jay Crowder. Several. But still being patient about what they're going to yes. do. Several offers in hand right now to make a Jay Crowder trade. There are offers that are on the table. Not pulling the trigger on any one of those. Being a little patient. Willing to wait it out to see. Like where they are depth-wise. Um, but obviously would like to add a piece if they can. No, not, not necessarily any one piece. They could use a power forward. They could use a guard. So not focused on one thing, but there are offers on the table right now. Still debating 14 or 15 guys on the roster. TLC, Timothy Luau-Cabro. I mean, he's the one guy that could make the difference on the roster, whether they go 14 or 15. So haven't made that determination yet, whether they go with 14 or 15 guys, if they keep a spot open. They've got two guys that are on two-way contracts uh, as well. So um, yes, I think TLC is the one guy. They've liked him, what he's brought to the table. He's a veteran player. So it's just a matter of do you want to give a roster spot to him? If they do, he would get the last roster spot if they go that way. And one other thing real quick. Yeah. Uh, the the ownership situation, the murky ownership situation, will not be an impediment in extending Cam Johnson. It's not a factor at okay, all. Good. It is a zero fare. It is not a factor at all. If the, if the Suns and Cam Johnson are able to come to an agreement, that deal will be done regardless of the, the ownership situation and uh, the, the impending sale of the team is going to have no effect on their ability to get a deal done with Cam. The predictions for this team, thank you for that update. I just want to give everybody an update because yes. we opened the show with that and we understand that everyone's listening at the same time. If you're a Suns fan, I think that's all stuff you're going to want to know. The opener against the Mavs on Wednesday at Footprint Center. You and I are going to be down there. Yeah, let's go. Uh, looking forward to opening this season. Let's go, Suns. The predictions are starting to come in. They're all over the place. I mean, they are all over the place when it comes to the Suns in terms of trying to figure this out. For example, all right, give you an example. This is from The Athletic. NBA Western Conference over under win total picks. Suns at 52 and a half. My pick is over, says over. The Athletic. All right. Yeah. Then yep. scroll down to the sportingnews.com. Over under win prediction predictions. Phoenix Suns, 52 and a half. Under, says the Sporting News. You know, then you go. Go down to Bleacher Report in an article titled Why Your Favorite Team Won't Win the NBA Title. <laughs> so they're looking for flaws for yeah. every team. Why it's not your just team the Suns. Won't win it. Why Your Team Won't Win the 2022-23 NBA Title. In a nutshell, the Suns' soul seems broken. Wow. I mean, it's wow. like, it, it, you know, and then you go back up to sporting news. Things just seem off in Phoenix. Maybe the finals loss was their peak. The West is unforgiving. Phoenix was one of the league's best last year thanks to stellar 
or guard play, will Chris Paul and Devin Booker still be among the best backcourts in the NBA? Just, no one's quite sure what to make of this basketball team. No, but I think the one the, the one consensus is that the West is going to be a juggernaut, and that's why you're seeing, you know, instead of 64 or 60 or even 55 wins, you're seeing pre- no predictions at about 52 and a half, and whether that's, you know, whether they're over or under. You know, one of the things in, in one of the predictions you were talking about, them being 52 and a half in the Sporting News saying under, they've got Golden State at 52 and a half, the Clippers at 51 and a half. They, so there is, you know, you've got a bunch of teams that are really bottled up right there in the beginning. We've seen the Suns picked fourth. We've seen the Suns picked third. I think I saw a second. I don't know if I've seen them in a, with a first yet, but I've seen anywhere from second, third, fourth in the West. Did somebody pick them one? Uh, our, our guy Kevin Pelton. Remember that win projection article he, he had wrote a couple one. weeks yeah, ago? Was, yeah. yeah. He had him number one. He had them projected for the most wins in the he Western was just Conference. trying to get back on the show. Well, he's got an open he's invitation. Got an open, he can yeah. come on the show whenever he wants. He doesn't have to write nice things about the Suns to get an invite from us. He's more than welcome to come on. He's the only one I saw that. But, but, but think about what you just said for a second. Yeah. Right? Like, I think there are two certainties when it comes to the Suns this year and all these predictions. Number one, yeah, the West is a bear. The West is a bear. I was I was reading another story. Um, the anonymous scouts take on all the teams in the Western Conference. Right. The West is loaded. Loaded. Even when you get down to like six, seven, eight, you're talking about the Mavs. You're talking about the Pelicans. You're talking about some really talented basketball teams down there. Right. So that's number one. The West is really loaded. Number two, everyone says the Suns are going to be good. It's just whether they're going to be great or not. That's like the like you just said. You know, second. Third, fourth. That's good. That's all still good. really good. Yeah. I mean, I know we've we've elevated our expectations around here and we've set the bar a little higher, and rightfully so. But I'm not seeing anybody saying, Oh, they're they're just gonna be so overrated next year. They're gonna take a big steep fall, they're gonna be down to like five or six or seven in the West. No one's saying that. Everyone's saying they're still gonna be good. Really, really good. It's just a question of will they be great? People question the vibe, and then people also say the peak. In the sporting news preview, they say it, it, it does say that it mentions, you know, that, you know, did did this team peak? You know, maybe the finals lost in 21 was their peak and it's all downhill from here. The West is unforgiving in their preview. They, you know, they in 2022 Pacific Division preview. Can the Clippers or Suns dethrone the West defending champion Warriors? They say the best team is the Clippers. They say the best player is Steph Curry. They say the best rookie is Keegan Murray of Sacramento. They say the best new addition is John Wall with the Clippers, which I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how that plays out with John Wall on the Clippers because Kawhi and Paul George, you know, Paul George is a number one on many teams in this league. On the Clippers, he's a number two. Mm-hmm. But we we know that team with Reggie Jackson. We know that they are loaded. And if John Wall comes in and balls, he missed the entire season last year because of an injury. He's 32 years old, but his body's been rested. He stayed in shape, and a lot of people think he could be a big impact guy for them. The wild factor is Russell Westbrook, and I think I saw yesterday or today, like they, like the, the Lakers, kind of feel like maybe we just play Russ with the second unit. You're going to play him. Let him be the, the number one guy. They're going to play him off the bench tonight in a preseason game right. and most people are looking at it like an audition like let's see how this works and maybe he's just the captain of the second unit 
And that's how that's going to yeah. be. Yeah. And now, if you want to be a if you want to be a ball hog and you want to go take all the shots, do it while LeBron and Anthony Davis are out of the game. Knock yourself out. Go, go, here's 15 minutes where you're on your own. Go do whatever you want right. to do. Right. And, that's and it. maybe let, allows LeBron and AD to rest because you've got a proven scorer right there. So they that's the wild factor is Russell Westbrook. And then you know there's thing like unanswered questions for each team, and they all they all have unanswered questions. And so, but I do think that. You know, it is. I think the Suns are really good, and you're right. You're one of the top four teams in the West. You get a home field, you get a home court advantage in a playoff round. That's a really good season. We're giving you the chance to win tickets to see undefeated international superstar Jake Paul as he takes legendary UFC champion Anderson Silva at Desert Diamond Arena on Saturday, October 29th. Please head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and for your chance to win. A great NFL weekend is in store, probably to make up for the last two Thursday night football games, which have just stunk out loud. We'll go over our favorites. You got those numbers? I'll get those numbers next on the Burns and Gambo show football friday with burns and gambo presented by 72 sold get your price 98 7 fm arizona's sports station do you want the uh thursday night numbers now or you want me to save them for the four no, let's, let's, it's up to you I'll give them to you now. You know, okay. we, you All mentioned right. it. I'll bring it up. All right. Two straight weeks of Thursday Night Football, the winner has scored 12 points. <laughs> In more than 102 minutes of Thursday Night Football action the last two weeks. I saw the highlights, and that's it. I didn't watch the I didn't watch. I didn't game. watch a minute of the game. And all I saw was Justin Fields and Carson Wentz looking around like, our team sucks. <laughs> like, I can't make a throw. I can't make a play. I got guys dropping balls in the end zone. That should have been a catch. This should have been a catch. And yeah. play comes down to a, you know, like it was only like the Tennessee Rams game. A play comes down to, I came down to that one play, and he came up a yard at short the, the end zone. Yeah. 102 minutes of Thursday night football action over the last two weeks. Two games combined. We have seen 41 drops. 20 punts, 8 field goals, and 5 turnovers. Give me that again. 41 drives. 41 drives. 20 punts. Wow. 8 field goals. Yeah. 5 turnovers. <laughs> ah, it's awful. And you know it, too. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, like, okay, next Thursday it's the Cardinals and the Saints. That should be a good game. Yes. Should be a good game, right? Yes. You see the Commanders and the Bears on the... You know that game's gonna suck. They got TV ratings out for that bad boy yet? No, yeah, because it's Amazon. It's, oh, it's Amazon. That's yeah, right. It'll take, it'll take a while, and it's not so traditional. I didn't watch a minute of it. Not a minute of it. I wonder if those numbers are out. That's such a bad, such a bad game. Like the one before the Broncos won, I mean, at least... On the billboard, it looked like a good matchup, right? As it was San Francisco and Denver, right? Wasn't that the no? That was Colts and Denver. oh, Colts and so the billboard Colts was already Denver. falling right. off. Yeah, Colts and Denver. Okay, you see, you see Colts and Denver. Yeah, all right. I don't know, but Commanders Bears. You knew going in oh, that thing was going to be a stink pot. You got the numbers? No, I'm just saying. Will Brinson tweeted out, "Michael, should you bust out? Do you believe in miracles? If someone scores a touchdown, <laughs> the." 
game is sponsored by the Big Ten West. Oh, wow. I'm pretty sure even Jeff Bezos is watching Grey's Anatomy instead of Thursday Night Football. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's pretty funny. Uh, I like that one. That's I good. heard with Prime they get the ratings back relatively quickly, though. Do they? Well, we'll see. I, I can't imagine anybody watched it. Mm. I mean, it was just, it, it was, it, and then Ron Rivera does his thing after the game. He gets all upset. I got all upset. Oh, yeah, because there was that story yesterday on ESPN that implied that Daniel Snyder chose Carson Wentz to be the quarterback and not him. Right. She kind of lost his mind. He's yelling at the media. Storms out of the press conference. Uh, nothing. I, I mean, even that was very uninteresting. Nothing about last night's game was interesting at all. That being said, this weekend in the NFL, there's a lot of interesting this weekend in the NFL. There's a lot of potentially great this weekend in the NFL with with two games in particular that just become like must-watch affairs. Bills 4-1 and at Chiefs 4-1. and Sunday afternoon, same time as the Cardinals wow. game, unfortunately, but yeah. that's a must-watch game, right? It, it is, and they played each other in January, and the, the Chiefs won the game, and it was one of those classic, great football games, and so, you know, it's a rematch of that game, and there's just been a lot of talk about that game because it's superiority in the AFC, and who's going to be the best team, and it's Allen, and it's Mahomes, and I think a lot of people are really looking forward to that game. That is the best game on the docket. Two 4-1 yes. football teams, and, and the winner, you're trying to get home field advantage. Now, both teams, cold weather, Kansas City cold weather, Buffalo cold weather, no difference there, but both teams really trying to you know, trying to have that tie, because you get the tiebreaker. You you're not in the same division, so you get, if you win this game, you have the tiebreaker over that team if you end up tied with them. And Buffalo's favored by two and a half points on the road, so the Kansas City Chiefs are a, a home underdog, barely, in this game, and you, the, the rematch from last year that you talk about, kind of shocking that this game isn't in a nationally televised window, you know, like a Sunday night football, a Monday night football kind of thing, to, to really, and it, but I get it, you know, when you're CBS and you get a game that good, you know, you're allowed to protect certain games and say, nope, that's the one we get. And so it it's going to be hard to have that one on at the same time as Cardinal Seahawks because Cardinal fans are going to be watching the Cardinals game, but that game is the one that we'd all want to pay attention to. And then the other one is on Sunday night between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I, I don't normally get, like, it's weird, and you're... Being a Giants fan, you're probably in a better position to comment about this than I am. It's been a long time since I've looked forward to an NFC East game. Because the division's just been hot garbage, garbage for 10 years. Yeah. Right? I mean, yes. just bad. Like, like you hype up the Cowboys all you want. They're no good. The Commanders are no good. The Eagles have been hit or miss. The Giants really haven't been very good lately. To have an old-fashioned clash of NFC East teams when they're both really, really Go back good. to the 80s when they were all good. Oh, yeah. I mean, this right? is... Now, the Cardinals were in that division back at the time, so you would know. But, you know, you go back to the 80s. I mean, the Giants won a couple of Super Bowls with Sims and one with Hostetler. Um, you know, the Reds, the, the, they were the Redskins at the time. Or the Washington... The, they won a bunch of Super Bowls Cowboys with Joe Dyson and Jay Schrader and, and Doug 90s, Williams yep. and you know the Cowboys. So you always had these great rivalries, you know, between those teams. It was really, really good. And, you know, Philly too. So you know, you're at that point right now. Cowboys and Eagles, and you know, they, these two teams hate each other. I don't know that anybody hates each other more than these two. So can the Eagles? Due to the against that Cowboys defense, which is fantastic, can the Eagles win that game at home? Their fans are going to be going nuts, going to be going crazy, going to be cold. You know, with that game at night, it's going to be a lot colder. But Cooper Rush trying to start his career five and zero, yeah, that's a big time game. Yeah, the Eagles' offensive line really banged up. 
Uh, four of their starting offensive linemen are battling injuries right now, including their left tackle. Of course, we saw that depth kind of come into play the last couple of weeks, last week against the Cardinals. The Cowboys pass rush, bunch of ballers. I mean, just getting after guys right now. First in pressures, second in sacks in the NFL. Um, how the Eagles offensive line kind of deals with Dallas's pass rush, if they have a bunch of backups in there, is going to be a big one to watch. You know, Jalen Hurts at home. Let's be honest, they didn't play that great against the Cardinals. For a big stretch of that game, the Cardinals outplayed the Philadelphia Eagles, other than that awful slow start. So I'm looking, for, I'm really looking forward to this one just because it, it, it does kind of make you remember that, that when the NFC East is good, man, these games are always really, really interesting. And this one's a big time one. Yeah, this is a, this is a chance for the Cowboys with no Dak back yet to take control of the East. You, you get, you know, you get to five and one, you make the Eagles five and one, but you'd have the tiebreaker over them. You even look at the predictions, right? On, on, on ESPN, 24-17, 27-20. Both have the Eagles by a touchdown in this game. So they like Philadelphia, but it'll be a really, it should be a really good football game because Dallas's defense is fantastic. You dubbed it. And by the way, um, same website, ESPN.com and their yeah. predictions. They both predicted the Seahawks to beat the Cardinals this weekend, by the way. The two guys who were making yeah, the picks. They did. They yeah. did. I saw that. Seahawks 31, Cardinals 27. Seahawks 33, Cardinals 27. I saw that. I was a little surprised at that. I was too. Even though their, their FPI, their football power index has Arizona winning like 64% of the time around the division. And there are other good games too. We'll, we'll talk about them, but I want to touch on the division games real quick. Panthers are taking on the Rams this weekend. Not not a good game, but it's a division game. And like you said earlier in the week, with the Rams taking on the Panthers and the 49ers taking on the Falcons, it's, it's a little bit of a keep pace game for the Cardinals knowing their division rivals are taking two pretty winnable games here. Yeah, the only thing that you think about with Carolina, they're a terrible football team at one and four. They're, they're going to have one of the top picks in the draft. They, you know, they, they only have eight sacks, but they're going up against the Rams team in which Stafford, Stafford's getting sacked a lot, 12 times in the past two games. But you do worry about the Steve Wilkes factor, the former Cardinals head coach. Now the, you know, now the coach, he's made some changes. He fired Phil Snow and another coordinator and changing things up. How do the players respond to Steve Wilkes? Now, a lot of times when you make a coaching change, mm-hmm. you get that initial mm-hmm. burst by players like, okay, this is it. I get to prove to my coach that I deserve playing time and he may change some things up. So, you know, do they come out and play hard enough to give the Rams a game fired up for an opportunity to, to you, know, to, you know, with a new coach and a chance to prove that they deserve playing time? And let's be honest. It's not like the Rams have been kicking butt and taking names so far this season. No, I mean, they Matthew, have not looked great. Matthew Stafford's been running for but his life But that's a get-right game. That's a get-right game. It should be a get-right game for them, which is kind of one of those, if you can't get right, it's sort of when they, like when the Cardinals played the Panthers. Man, if you can't get right against them, you got some problems, yeah. right? We felt that way two weeks ago about the Cardinals game in Carolina. It's easy to feel the same way now. If you can't get right against them and you're the Rams, you got some problems. Right. And then the 49ers are taking on the Falcons this weekend in a game that we fully expect San Francisco, even though they're they're banged up defensively. Uh, Kinlaw's out. Nick Bosa, I think, is questionable. I haven't seen anything come Their down for sure about so him. Good. It really is good. But they've had, they're dealing with some injuries. When we come back, why is this weekend going to be the prove-it game for the Cardinals defense? One big reason, and we'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Get your price. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 
Tiger with you on the Burns and Gambo Show, live from the Auction Community Studios. Happy Friday to you. Cardinal Seahawks coming up on Sunday afternoon. And then a uh, real quick turnaround, obviously, for the Cardinals taking on the Saints on Thursday. So it's going to be one of those you know, crazy weeks where everything's short, everything's compressed. Turn around real quick, see who's healthy, who's available, etc., etc. Um, For the Cardinals going into this game, it, we did have one question answered today okay. for the Seahawks. On Bruce, Irvin, Bruce Irvin is not playing yeah, on not Sunday. Not ready. He's not playing. Yeah. That, it, there was some thought that maybe he would be, but I think Pete Carroll kind of hinted at it earlier in the week that, you know, that he's he is he's going to need a little bit of time to kind of get back in. Yeah, and then there's one of their defensive tackles, Al Woods, who's considered one of the better parts of their defense, actually, for a defense that's not very good. Uh, looks like he's not going to play either. It sounds like he is a no-go. Didn't practice at all with that this week. Um, right. He ran a little today. Um, it doesn't look like he is going to be able to go in that game, so that might help the Cardinals. Um, I was going to say this. It was what an was interesting thing on Irvin, right? Because he's going to be as much a teacher as he is a player with them. But there was a story about what he identified as part of the problem. He said, honestly, I just think that on defense, it's communication. Right? We were talking about that with the green dot and who communicating and everything. And he says it, this, system, this system is big on communicating. You have to change the strength, so you have to communicate that because the plays go from one side to the other with certain motions and stuff. I think once we're out, out there chattering and guys are believing in one another, I think it'll make a difference. From what I've seen being at home, I see a young defense with not a lot of experience playing with one another, but the talent is there. That, that's him talking about that defense. Yeah, and, and I, look, I'll be honest with you, had he been available this week, I would have been curious to see what he would have brought to the table. It is Bruce Irvin. I don't know if I would have expected him to bring a whole lot to the table just because it's been a while since he's played and it's been a while since he's made an impact, but honestly, that Seattle defense has been so bad that at this point, anybody could have helped make it a little bit better. And that's why, you know, for the for the Cardinals on offense, it, it's this is if not now win you know if if not this weekend then win if you're not going to have that offensive breakthrough because if we're being honest it's yeah it's a first quarter thing yeah it's a first half thing it's really been most of the season so far where the offense is really really underperformed based off of expectations and I get it a lot of that has to do with DeAndre Hopkins and this is if not now against this defense that's just been so bad this year then win now on the flip side of that coin. Okay. When Seattle's on offense, All okay, right. we talked yesterday about taking DK Metcalf out of the equation. Sure. And in many ways, he kind of takes himself out of the equation. He doesn't really have big individual games against the Cardinals. You went and looked at his last six games against the Cardinals. None not, of them are individually very no. good. And six games against the Cardinals, he's not done very much. No. He's not had an impact game at all. But one thing the Cardinals have been vulnerable at mm-hmm. this year, and they've certainly done a great job taking out top wide receivers. The tight end problem. It is back, it is a thing, and it's something that has to be talked about. We identified it last week before the game against Philly, right? You could do a Dallas Goddard well, coming up. one of the best in the league, right? right. This is interesting. I, I, this is kind of fascinating. So Tyler Lockett's their top receiver, then DK Metcalf. The number three, four, and five players on the Seattle roster in receiving yards are a tight end, a tight end, and a tight end. Before you get to the third or fourth running back, before you, uh, wide receiver, before you get to the third or fourth wide receiver, before you get to a running back, your third, fourth, and fifth wi- uh, 
receiving yards leaders are all tight ends. So I did a little math. I just wanted to die. I was at home. I could do math at home, not when I'm on the show. <laughs> Will Disley, Noah Font, and Colby Parkinson have combined for 33 catches on 38 targets. That's pretty remarkable. 273 yards and four touchdowns. Four touchdowns. They're wide, they don't have a one-headed wide receiver. It's not like you play in Dallas Goddard or Travis Kelsey. But they got three guys in Will Disley, Noah Fant, and Colby Parkinson that will go out there and just get the job done. 33 catches on 38 targets, 273 yards, and four touchdowns. They use the wide receiver a lot. It's just not one main guy. I found that really incredible because the Cardinals have had a tight end problem defensively trying to shut down those tight ends. Yeah, and, and, and some of it is understandable. I mean, Travis Kelsey, Dallas Goddard, Darren Waller in week two. I mean, you're talking about some of the very best, right? I can't remember the name of the guy for Carolina, and he didn't really hurt them that much. I can't remember his name, but he, he wasn't really that much of a problem. But yeah, that that has become... I mean, we're going to talk a little later in the show. I don't want to give too much away, but we're going to... Carolina guy only had three catches yeah, against them he, for like 30 yards, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I, I re- think he had three catches for 30 yards, and I'm going by memory I here. I couldn't remember his name. I just remembered he didn't really put his stamp yeah. on that. Uh, on that game. Tressler, Tressler, something yeah. like that. I, I can't remember what his name was. Um, but but this, is, this becomes now a test. Like, it's, it's, like normally you'd look at the wide receiver and go, oh man, that guy, he's, he's, he's so scary. You got to deal with him. You got to figure him out. This tight end thing has become a problem for them. Again, it, ha- it, it, it really has become yeah. a problem for them. And it's, it is absolutely something worth watching. Yeah, it's, it's something that you look at and you say, okay, how, it, uh, Tremble was the tight end. Tremble, thank three, you. Oh, here it is. Three catches for 34 yards. Man, I was off by four yards. Three catches for 34 yards. He's the one tight end that hasn't really hurt them. Seattle does use that tight end. Gino likes to throw the ball to the tight end. But like I said, you'll see them line up with two tight ends quite a bit. But they use three different guys. Um, so, you know, you do have to factor in that those guys are really, they used a lot on second down. They used a lot on third down. Those are guys you got to be aware of. Now, the Cardinals have done a phenomenal job of taking out teams' number one wide receivers. They've done a really good job of shutting down A.J. Brown. And um, shutting down Devontae Adams, and just they're good at it, right? Or, or take number one options. McCaffrey didn't run the ball against them. Cooper Cup was shut down, but the Titans have had success. So you can't take away everything. So I still think you try to go into this game taking away DK, but just beware of the tight ends. Give me those those tight end total numbers again, if you would. Okay, Seattle. Um, one more time, please. Thirty-three receptions okay. on thirty-eight targets. Okay. 273 yards, okay. four touchdowns. Okay, that okay, that's what I was So here are your top tight ends by yards so far this year. Travis Kelsey, 33 receptions, 347 yards. It's very similar. Mark Andrews, 32 receptions, 349 yards. Dallas Goddard, uh, 24 receptions, 335 yards. You see where I'm going with this, right? Yeah, David Njoku. If you, if you add the three guys, their numbers are somewhat similar. Their, their, their numbers are somewhat similar. Okay, yeah. see, now that that's a good find by you because th- that's, that's kind of eye-opening. Opening, right, Tyler Higby, thirty-three catches, two hundred and ninety yards. Right, the added combined number. Now, you know, I add Mark Andrews' numbers with whoever the You're backup not tight, the end, right. tight end. Yeah, in I'm there. not adding the second tight end and the third but tight end. So that's going to skew 
through the numbers a little bit, but that, that to me is still interesting to kind of compare where those guys are. Yeah, you would think that a running back could break. You know, the, the, the third, fourth, and fifth leading receivers for Seattle are all tight ends. They're all tight ends. Not a running back, not a number three receiver, a number four receiver. It's a tight end, tight end, tight end. So they like to go to those tight ends. So just something to be leery about if you're the Cardinals because you're going to have to defend that. Arizona goes primetime next week as the Phoenix Suns tip off the NBA season against the Mavs. And then on very next night, the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football. And we're giving you the chance to experience both in person. Text the word primetime to 620-620. Then listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus one lucky winner each day will win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. Again, text primetime. It's a 620-620. We're at the halfway point of the Burns and Gambo show, which means it's time to catch you up on all of the top stories of the day, and we'll do that in the 4 o'clock reset next on Burns and Gambo.